Come on. Welcome to Money Savage, a savage approach to personal finance. This is George Grumbacher, and the time is right. Welcome to today's guest, the strong and powerful Tony Isola. Tony, are you ready to do this? Sure, sure, ready to go. Excellent, let's do this. Tony is a certified financial planner and an investment advisor representative with Ritholtz Wealth Management, and I'm excited to have you on. Tony, tell us a little bit about your personal life, some more about your work, and why it is you do what you do. Well, um, I guess uh, my personal life is kind of interesting because I I work with my wife. We used to have our own firm, um, ATI Investments, and we realized in order to accomplish the things that um, we wanted to do, we needed to get bigger. So, you know, I had followed um, Josh uh, Brown and Barry Ritholtz and Ben Carlson and all those guys over there and uh, read their blogs for years, and uh, we just had a meeting and... I don't know, things just went well, and we joined them. So, you know, we were able to, you know, really expand our business and do a lot of other things rather than, you know, administrative tasks and trading tasks that would, you know, take up a lot of time. Now we could, you know, focus on clients and writing and podcasts like this and other things. So that's pretty cool. You know, I have, uh, I live out in uh, Stony Brook, Long Island, which is, uh, Suffolk County, you know, suburb of in in of New York City, and um, you know, I have uh, two twins who are you know fifteen years. 15, I shouldn't say two twins. Obviously, there's two of them, <laughs> but they're fifteen years old, and uh, so that's a whole whole other deal. But uh, yeah, but all is good. Excellent. And you were you were an elementary school teacher for? for no, no, I actually taught eighth grade, eighth middle grade. school. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, that was kind of interesting. I have to but it prepare it prepares you to deal with a lot of diverse personalities. So <laughs> it's, it's it's it was good. It was great great experience. I have to imagine that being an educator has certainly served you well. In that, as a financial advisor, you're working to take difficult, confusing, and sometimes intimidating topics and making them easy to understand and therefore make decisions about. Absolutely. And, you know, in our model, since we're, you know, a fiduciary registered investment advisor, we have to look out for our client's best interest. So there is no sales and there is no, um, you know, non-transparent products that a lot of people just purchase because they don't know any better. So, you know, when you think about it, most people don't have any clue about finances. I mean, they most people can't even tell you exactly what an, the difference between an IRA is and a mutual fund. You know, it's pretty bad. So I think my teaching experience really helped because I was used to always keeping things simple, like basically talking to, to an eighth grader. So that's kind of how it is with most people. That's the kind of level or probably even lower when you explain finances to them because they, you know, they didn't learn about it in school. They didn't learn about it when they went to college. And most of them, you know, just spent their spend their whole lives making believe that maybe they know something or just trusting other people, and that's not a good uh, strategy. So, yeah, I mean, teaching is great because you have all kinds of students and they have all kinds of needs, and some are visual learners and some are auditory learners. So, you know, it just trained me to try to get my ideas across in many different ways, which could be used in all, all subject matter. Yeah, I, I very much appreciate that. And in today's environment, 
when it seems like and the headlines all the time are big companies that I would sort of think about as is, is, is very trusted are mm. getting themselves in trouble. So there's probably yeah. been a better time to to do the kind of work you're doing. Yeah, and, and again though it's still it's difficult because, you know, people read about these lawsuits and all these things that happen and fines, but they many still don't understand that there is another model out there. They think they just have to go maybe from one big firm to another big firm, but that really really isn't the solution when, when you're looking at the big picture. And so just to, just to clarify what makes you and your firm different than, we'll just say Wells Fargo, for example, what, what, well, how, well, how, how can people identify what, what, what makes one advisor different than the next? Um, well, first of all, we pretty much don't have like a billion dollar marketing budget and we don't, <laughs> we don't, we don't have any marketing budget and the way we attract our clients is through all of our blogs. We have, you know, five different blogs uh, in the firm and uh, a lot of different partners that associate with us. And we just put out information for free. You know, you can go on Twitter, you can go on Facebook, you can go on LinkedIn and all the different various, you know, social media avenues and read about us and read about the things we do. And we provide knowledge for people and, and we feel, you know, we present this in a way that's easy to understand and, and truthful and, and it's a great way to, to kind of make a relationship with somebody that, that might, you might not have connected to before. And, you know, it's, you know, the old days, people would go out on the golf course or, you know, take people to ball games and do all that stuff. But, and, you know, that really doesn't have any effect on, on, on your financial plan or investment returns. We feel like the people, the way we communicate, we, we, we just tell the truth. And a lot of times, especially in this industry, that's kind of refreshing when someone actually tells the truth. Got it. Well, I appreciate that. So, well, speaking of confusing topics, I was hoping to talk a little bit about Social Security today. And mm-hmm. uh, so when we're talking about putting together your retirement plan, retirement income strategies, whether it should or it shouldn't, Social Security does play a large role in somebody's income strategy or, or their retirement income picture. So when you start talking about doing Social Security planning, what's the starting point? Well, I think for most people, if they plan on living, you know, which we hope most people would be, is, is to wait as long as possible. Because I always tell people, look, if you wait, you know, till, till you're 70 years old, say, to collect Social Security, it sets off a chain reaction of really good things. Number one, your benefit could be, you know, 24 to 32 percent higher for, for the rest of your life, which is pretty amazing. Number two, you're going to keep working, so you're going to keep saving, and you're not going to be, you know, spending as much, so your retirement account should grow. So, you know, it's, like, it's kind of like... You know, by, if you're able to do that, you get the, the, the third and most important thing is that 8% that you get each year is guaranteed. So each year you wait, it pretty much increases by 8% and then whatever the CPI is, um, or I guess they, they change it from the CPI, but whatever, you'll get an inflation, inflation adjustment. But um, the good thing is, you know, I can't tell people, hey, I, I can't go out into the market for you and guarantee you an 8% return. So... If you could wait a little bit, you know, this, this return really is going to pay off uh, down the road. And, and, you know, another thing is, you know, 
having even if one spouse waits till they're 70, it serves as an insurance policy because the the higher earning spouse now will leave their uh, Social Security benefits to to that lower earning spouse. So you could kind of play with it a little bit. So it's really an underrated, you know, aspect of financial planning and an important aspect. And unfortunately, all the all there's many you know fear mongers out there who you know will go on TV in order to you know raise their ratings or get clicks or whatever they're doing in their platform and you know, tell people, you know, misleading things like, you know, Social Security is not going to be there, the government's going bankrupt, it's a Ponzi scheme, and, you know, all the other nonsense. So that's not, not productive. So you're in the camp that Social Security will probably be around. I, I would think so, as long as the United States government has the ability to tax, I would right. think so. Mm-hmm. You know, and, and even if, you know, again, anytime you know the when you look at the solutions for 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 basically extending this program decade out in the future you're talking about tweaks to the system not not these massive changes so you know i think once people sit down and and if they actually looked at the numbers to to get social security on a much you know sounder footing is not is not this massive change to the system got it so when you're Having these conversations with people, and mm-hmm. they're maybe sixty years old or whatever, they're they're in their sixties, and you tell them sure. it'd be better if you could wait till seventy because it could have this dramatic effect or this dramatic sure. impact. How is that received? Do people throw their well, arms dep- up and they get? A- <laughs> Go ahead. Yeah, I mean it depends. You know, like if some people, depending, you know, if they do the you know number one horror of of financial planning is is confusing, you know, mixing your politics with investing, then, then, you know, it's a tough, tough uphill battle because, you know, there's a lot of confirmation bias and they believe what they believe. But uh, there's a lot of other people out there who just had never had, you know, really the system explained to them. And they realize, wow, that's, that, that's a pretty decent size difference in my check. Maybe, you know, I'm going from a check from, uh, you know, 24000 to over 30000 which is which is substantial, and then adjusted for inflation over possibly twenty five to thirty years, and I could show them the numbers and say, "Hey, if you use this strategy, you know it's it's possible you could collect you know over two hundred and fifty thousand dollars more, depending on how long you live than if you you know both decided to take it at age sixty two or whatever because you're you know scared that the government's going bankrupt and again, you know when people get into those things, it's like the least of your problems is going to be social security if the government goes bankrupt. <laughs> you, you know you know what it's I mean? Like let's if you want to go there, uh, that that is really a minor point if you're if you're willing to go out on this limb, you know. So it's a left side of the brain issue where maybe a lot of mm. folks don't even really understand how yeah. their accounts work, but then it's also Absolutely. It's also a big time right side of the brain issue where we're not necessarily behaving rationally. And that yep. definitely takes you back to working with eighth graders. <laughs> right. A- exactly. So you have to, like, you know, frame it in a way that, that, that people could understand and show them, you know, worst-case scenario. And like I said, if that w- the worst-case fears play out, you know, the, the, the whole system is probably going to collapse. And no matter where you have your money, it's not going to be safe. So, I, you know, that bank that you left it in is, is probably gone. So, mm-hmm. you know, I don't know what to tell you, but... That's kind of, you know, sometimes you have to just, just be very blunt with people and, and you know, attack their fears and, and show how irrational they are. So when should people start thinking or start 
having the conversations or the thoughts about designing their retirement income and looking at their Social Security payments and strategy? I mean, I, I, you know, always, I think, as early as possible. But I think, you know, once people reach, say, the age of 50, then things become more realistic to them. And maybe you can, you know, get through them a little more because it's not, you know, 30 years away where, you know, you're talking to somebody that's 25 years old about Social Security is probably not mm-hmm. the best use of your time. But, but if you kind of talk, get them early enough and you could show, hey, maybe if you use this strategy – you know, you actually could retire earlier, you know, like there's all kinds of things that can be done over long periods of time. If if you can, you know, get people to stick to a program and maybe increase their savings and show them if they worked part time, you know, for a few years. So, so there's lots of things you can mix and match. But, you know, someone comes to you and they're 65 and now all of a sudden they've made a lot of mistakes that can't be on. And then you have a problem. Got it. And. When you start thinking about Social Security and doing the Social Security planning, are there other variables to take into consideration aside from the age at which you take it? Yeah, I mean, you know, if people are divorced, there's possibilities of them, you know, collecting, you know, the uh, uh, benefits from their from their ex-spouse, which many people don't know about. You know, there's uh, early, some people have jobs where their their health was really affected and they could, you know, get early Social Security benefits. And, and, you know, there's still some strategies in place where if they're born, you know, before January 1954, they could, you know, uh, work with their spouse and do some pretty creative things. But unfortunately for most people, that, that chip is out. So. Yeah, I seem to remember that a lot of the strategies, which were, for lack of a better term, creative, went away, yeah. away recently. Yeah, I mean, you could still do the, you know, the file and suspend and restrict things, but it's really, you know, a, a small, a much smaller subset of people that are eligible for those at this point. So, Got you know, it. it used to be a lot more interesting, you know, a few years ago. If you could just real quickly walk me through how how it works for a, diver, a divorced husband and wife, just for example, if the if the wife was a, a higher income earner and maybe an older and they got divorced, how the husband could benefit from that? Well, as long as they're, they're married for, for 10 years and the husband is not remarried, they could collect, you know, half of what, what the um, wife was uh, entitled to, which could be, like you said, could be more than would be their regular payment, and they would get the higher of the two. Okay. And most people don't realize that. But here's another thing that I found with that is they think now they have to, like, contact their ex-spouse, Right, so they're like, oh God, I don't, you know, maybe they they left on bad terms. I mean, right. divorce usually isn't pleasant, so it's like they don't realize that it, they don't they don't have to speak to them, right? It's all done through the the administration office. So, you know, that's another big thing where some people might be like, yeah, maybe I'd get more money, but it's not worth, you know, I don't want to deal with this person. I had all these problems. Obviously, that's you know, and whatever the divorce settlement was, and maybe it was nasty or something. But you know, once they realize that, hey, you know, you 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 don't you don't do this through through the other person. This is done through a third party. So that that's actually something that most people don't know. And it doesn't take money away from the ex-spouse. No, no, no. It does really not. You know, most people don't realize. It. Oh well, yeah, and that's another thing too. People think well. Maybe they left on good terms, and now that other person isn't doing as well. So they're like, well, I don't want to, 
you know, hurt them if, if I don't have, you know, to, to benefit myself if maybe I don't really need this. But, you know, hey, it's your benefit. Claim it. If, if that's the better way to go, then pe- people should do it. But again, most people don't know about that. Right. So many different variables, so many different moving parts, and it can all be very intimidating, like we were talking yeah, about. Yeah, yeah, and, that, and that, again, that's just, you know, one, one part of things. And now you, now you have all these other moving parts with all their other, you know, health care and, you know, their IRAs and 401ks and estate planning and new tax laws. And, you know, people really need, quite honestly, a good, a good financial advisor. And most people, unfortunately, don't have one because the world's become, you know, a lot more complex and most people are just not equipped to, to do this. Well, Tony, Savage Nation is ready for your difference-making tip. What do you have for them? Um, I would say the most the thing that I would I, I mean I would I would look at it in a in a way where I would say to people, you know, whatever kind of investment you have, understand it, understand why you have it, why you own it, and what it does. And if you don't truly understand it, and and importantly understand the cost of that investment, then you really have to you know revisit what's what's going on here. So you know, understanding what you own and why you own it is a really good start for most people. I love it. That is great stuff. That definitely gets a come on. Come on. So <laughs> thank you for that. And No problem. Tony, thank you so much for coming on. Where can Savage Nation learn more about you? Um, I The best place to go is you can, you know, go to my blog, um, TonyIsola.com. It's uh, called The Teachable Moment. And I usually post things, um, I try to post like, two or three posts a week. Plus I have um, uh, weekly um, retirement links every Monday. I do a college, uh, a college link uh, every month. And it's, it's a good place. And if you're kind of interested in this conversation, if you, you, know, you could sign up and you know, the posts can be emailed to you automatically so you don't have to go search for them. So that would probably be the best place to go. Excellent. Well, Savage Nation, if you enjoyed this as much as I did, show Tony your appreciation and share today's show with a friend who also appreciates good ideas. Go to TonyIsola.com and check out his blog. I can vouch for the quality of the information. Um, And Tony does a great job of, again, taking complex and difficult things to understand and making them very easy to understand. So there's a lot of value there. Thank you again, Tony. Thanks a lot. It was great. It was fun. And until next time, keep fighting the good fight because we're all in this together. What's up, Savage Nation? Please support the show by subscribing, leave us a review, and definitely feel free to share us with somebody you think would like it. Come on!